Tuesday, February 5th is going to be a very big day in the Indian River School District. Why is that? Well, Dave, we're going to be asking our, our taxpayers and the public to support a uh, major capital uh, referendum, which is going to include building a brand new Sussex Central High School for 2,200 students, uh, the addition of eight classrooms at Indian River High School, and four classrooms at Sabaville Middle School. There's current expense to go along with that too, correct? Correct, Dave. There is a nine cent current expense. Uh, largely the current expense is going to um, su support a lot of the, the initiatives, not only with the new building, but with how we are going to uh, create space to relieve the overcrowding. For example, uh, Millsboro Middle School students would transfer to Sussex Central High School so that school uh, will then become an elementary school. That'll add an extra school, giving us 17 for the district, and we'll have to have uh, custodians, cafeteria workers, secretaries, special teachers, uh, building budget, and furniture. So you know the current expense will go to support that. Before we go any further, I should state that this is the IRSD Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mall. With me is Indian River School District Superintendent Mark Steele. And we're discussing the major capital improvement and current expense referendum scheduled for Tuesday, February 5th. Mark, one of the questions we're hearing from the community is why are we coming back with a re another referendum so soon after the last successful referendum in March of 2017? Well, Dave, a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, we were looking at a major referendum back in 2016. And, you know, with the finances as they were, made the decision not to proceed uh, with that to concentrate more on rebuilding the, the financial uh, growth of the district. However, what's happened is in the meantime we've continued to see growth, particularly in the northern end of the district, uh, at a higher rate than what we're seeing in the south, although we're getting growth in both places. If you have a chance to ride around anywhere in our district, you, you see construction going on um, in all areas. Uh, for example, Millsboro, I believe, has, uh, you know, have are permitted um, over 3,000 homes. Now that's not the county, that's the town over the next eight to 10 years. And uh, that uh, coupled with the fact that we've gotten um, information from Georgetown where there are a couple of big developments going in there. We know the building on the southern end is continuing. And you know, when we build, we obviously are going to grow and it is going to grow the tax base. However, in terms of space, it doesn't necessarily add space, so we're required to come back and ask the, the taxpayers to support a major capital expense so that we would have the room to educate the students we have coming into the district. And we'll go over those uh, enrollment projections in just a little bit, because I know we've projected them out for the next seven, eight years and that type of thing. I'll get to those in a little bit, too. Um, but the interesting thing here is that um, uh, certificates of necessity for some construction projects were approved three years ago in 2016. They were never acted upon by the district, but they were significantly different than what we're asking for this time around. They sure were. Uh, we were looking in 2016, we actually had our certificates of necessities approved by the state. We had approved a new elementary at Ingram's Pond, a new middle school on the property uh, right beside the current Sussex Central where we're looking to build the new high school, a major renovation project of about 106 to $107 million renovation at Sussex Central High School and Howard T. Annis. Now Howard T. Annis, as you know, is a fully funded state school, which means that is no cost to our taxpayers. And we're in the process of planning and moving forward with that project. Right? Just had word yesterday that Del Dot has approved and they are giving uh, uh, us their letter of no contest, which means that our next step is the county will take that and issue the minor subdivision 
that's the point that the land would transfer to us. We're hoping uh, to break ground. Hopefully, we're, we, we've kind of had to move this back, waiting on DelDot. We would like to break ground sometime before next December, mm-hmm. uh, if possible. Uh, of course, that'll be pending on permits and, and getting those sort of things done. Yeah. We'll talk about this current referendum and, and, and how it differs from 2016. We'll get into this current referendum in a minute. But can you talk a little bit about the the financial health of the district since that referendum passed two years ago in 2017? Sure. When we went to referendum in March of 2017, it was the second uh, attempt at passing that referendum. We knew on our end, and, and as we shared with the community, that we were in a uh, very serious financial situation, uh, possibility of possible state takeover uh, due to the lack of uh, carryover funds. Our district needs $6 million a year in carryover, and that $6 million goes toward uh, the payroll between July 1 and October when we have our taxes come in. And we only had $3 million. So when that referendum passed, that was a, a huge relief to us. And even though we had to you know, utilize other funds to get through year one until our tax receipts came in, it, it was significant. However, as you know, the state had a financial crisis, so the $7.35 million that we had requested, within about two to three weeks, the governor uh, issued a budget that uh, school districts had to return funds our district, for example, had to return about $2.1 million to the state. We did, we did that in various fashion. So when we, we, we looked at every aspect of what we do, how we do it, is it needed or is it a want? And if it was a want, it got put on the shelf. If it was a need, we found a way to fund it. We cut absolutely nothing completely. However, we went through numerous reductions, one being administrative staff. We, we've actually given back to the state over $1.5, $1.6 million in two years of administrative positions. What we've been able to do, our initial plan was to build our reserves to about $12 million, uh, or 11 to $12 million. We thought it would take us four to five years. But we actually, uh, this coming June 30th, when we end the fiscal year, we will have a, between 11 and $12 million in our reserves. We managed to do it in half the time. Uh, we made significant changes to the way we do business, and we really, you know, trimmed the fat per se and tightened our belt, and that's what we did. And I'm happy to tell the um, taxpayers that we've gone from uh, just, just just under two years ago to being on the verge of state takeover to being financially strong. And my hope is we're closer to 12 than we are 11, but we're going to be somewhere in between those two numbers in June. And, you know, where plan is to have a continual plan to add money to the reserves so we never fall in any type of financial situation in the future again. Well, that's a tremendous turnaround in a, a short period of time. And, and obviously our taxpayers had a huge hand in that when they approved that referendum two years ago. So. Absolutely. And I can't yeah. thank the taxpayers enough. Uh, I, can, I can tell you that, you know, we went in with about four items that we had that we wanted to do. Uh, we're currently working on one of those, the strategic plan. Uh, our community will be having surveys come out probably in the next month or so that we'll be asking for input that will plan for the next seven to ten years. And the support that we got was phenomenal in that referendum, yeah. uh, the March referendum. And, you know, the one promise I made is we were going to make changes on our end to make sure it doesn't happen again and to make sure we climb back up to where we're strong and we've managed to do that. Yeah. 
Let's get back to the February 5th referendum. Um, why is this plan, the one that's being proposed right now, why is this the best plan for the district? A couple of reasons. Um, as I said before about trimming fat and tightening our belt, we also learned that if you think the same old ways in, in, in everything you do, you never get anywhere. So we thought outside the box. We knew that in the northern end of the district, growth is much faster and higher than in the south. And there are various reasons as, as to that reason. However, on our end, we had to take care of a problem that affects all three levels, elementary, middle, and high school. We could have easily gone back, and we actually did. We started with the, the um, certificates of necessity from the 2016 to see where that would put us. That referendum in 2016 would have been approximately a $74, $75 million cost to our taxpayers. That was two years ago. Of course, with escalation and rising in cost of, of construction, that would have been much more had we went that path. However, by building one building, we realized that we could utilize the old Sussex Central building for a middle school, and we could move Millsboro Middle School kids to that location. We could also filter and change some of our uh, attendance boundaries for the northern school and move some of the southern Georgetown middle school students to that building. That takes care of my middle school problem. I now have ample room. The 1,500 student high school equates to an 1,800 student middle school, but if we put about 1,000 kids in that building, I'm able to reduce the number of kids we have at our Georgetown complex at the middle school level to a much more manageable, comfortable number. The Millsburg Middle School, which would be vacated, would become an elementary. Now, elementary means we would have to again look at some lines and we would be able to reduce the size of East Millsboro from about 870 kids down to maybe 720. We would be able to maintain Long Neck at about 720. And by filtering again some of the Southern Georgetown kids down, our elementaries could all be in a range of about 720 students, which is ideal size for an elementary school. Now, the great thing about this plan, if you remember in 2016, build a new elementary, build a new middle, renovate the high school. However, what we've discovered in the process of Millsboro Middle becoming an elementary, Sussex Central High School becoming a middle school, there is no cost that we will have to incur or any construction or renovation we have to do to those buildings. Yeah. Those buildings are ready. The only thing we would have to do is when we open up Millsboro, that'll become the 17th school in our district, the elementary. We would have to supply, you know, have the, the current expense monies we're asking for would help us with furniture, uh, building budgets, custodial staff, secretarial staff, cafeteria staff, furniture, and those sort of items. Um, we, we just feel that this is the strongest because the cost of our referendum, our current expense, or our, our major capital, uh, is about $63 million. That's significantly less than the 74, 75 million of two years ago. So we're looking at, uh, to local taxpayers, we're looking at about an $11 million savings over what was proposed three years ago. You, you, you are looking at $11 million savings based on the face value of what the cost was going to be two years ago. Mm -hmm. If you were to up those two-year costs current, currently, you know, you're probably looking at, at probably 14 to $15 million savings. But and, uh, face value, you're saving minimum of $11 million. 
And another cost savings, too, is that the new Sussex Central High School would be built on land that's already owned by the school district, so there will be no land acquisition expenses. That's absolutely correct. Uh, we would not have to purchase land, and, uh, you know, we, we, we just feel that this was the best, and, and it gives us one new building. It doesn't give us two new buildings. If we go with two new buildings, the amount of current expense we would be asking for would be double because we would have to operationally open two buildings with two budgets, two sets of staffs for custodial services, two cafeteria staffs. We don't have to do that in this case. We only have to do one. One new building would solve a lot of problems in the northern end of the it district. It sure would. Yeah. In the south, we're having growth. However, the growth in the south is not at the same rate. So we don't have to look at a new building in the south. If we did, keep in mind that we have 168 acres on current Indian River High School property, that we would have property available to us to build on should we need to. However, we don't feel at this time the need's there. It's, mm -hmm. it's a different rate of growth. The people that we see who are moving in the southern part of the district um, you know, are a little bit you know, different. We're looking at a lot of retired folks moving in. In the north, we see a lot of families moving in. And, you know, the difference between the two is your rates of increase. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, of course, it's going to help our tax base, yeah. you know, getting, getting taxes in for operations. Mm -hmm. That's why I strongly think that this referendum could be key, absolutely key, to our district not having to come back to the community for another major referendum for, mm -hmm. for probably, I'm going to say probably anywhere from seven to ten years. I think one of the more interesting things here, too, is that when uh, when the new Sussex Central High School opens, Millsboro Middle School will move into the existing Sussex Central High School building, thus vacating the current Millsboro Middle School building, and then we would convert that building into an elementary school. I think one of the more interesting aspects of it here is look at East Millsboro Elementary School. That building has been added on to many, many, many times over many, many, many years. They're out of property there, am I right? There's no there's no more place to expand on that property. We have an additional 20 acres behind the building, but there's no way to go out and attach to that land, and it would have to be a separate facility if we did add. And so the current school building couldn't be attached to whatever was built? No, there. and if you look at the playground side of East Millsboro, that is where the geothermic um, HVAC system is located, so you're going to be restricted on what you can build on in those areas. So we're really, we're really out of space in a lot of our schools um, in terms of land. So we just have to be very careful and systematic the way we do things. The last thing we want to do is overburden our taxpayers, and we think it's our obligation that should we need to do something for growth, we look at the most feasible uh, plan that we can bring forward in order to take care of it, keeping in mind safety of students and uh, you know bus transportation times to and from school. Kenny, you touched on it a little bit, but talk just a little bit more about the redrawing of the attendance areas. So to relieve overcrowding, how's that going to work a little bit? Well, one of the things that, that that's something we would not look at all you know immediately just because we have so much growth going on, it, it's, it would behoove us to do something now when it could change in two to three years. So what we would do in this particular case, uh, the board and central office work together. I think we would bring in people from the community and we would take a look at the existing lines. With some of the major construction developments that we see happening, we may be able to you know, move by developments into, if it's close to an existing line, into a different school attendance area. So we may see some students in the northern end of the district who have maybe been in the East Millsburg attendance area would now be in the new 
attendance area for the new elementary school. But those lines, we'll look at that a little bit more in about, about two to three years from now. Yeah, that's a ways down. And the then we, we get a chance to see after some of the construction's done, you know, where the population pockets are and what's the most feasible way to do. But we would seek parent input on that mm-hmm. before we move forward. With approval of the referendum, the average district taxpayer would expect an increase of, by our estimates, $87.55 to his or her tax bill. This would result from a a maximum increase of $0.35 on the debt service portion of the tax rate and $0.09 on the current expense portion of the tax rate. But it's really not that simple. Uh, In fact, there's a chance the debt service increase may never reach $0.35. Can you kind of fill us in a little bit more about that? Sure. The estimated cost of the project of our major capital is $0.35. We feel that that would be the cost of the classrooms and the new high school. However, with debt service, if taxpayers take a look at your tax bill and you go down to Indian River School tax, you see a number of $3.07. Well, what we are going to look at with that tax bill, we look at that as four units. One, operational, which is current expense, tuition, minor cap, which minor cap takes care of our replacing a roof, replacing a window, building maintenance, those sort of items, and debt service. Debt service, I I think the easy way to equate this with a taxpayer, a a debt service is considered how much your your mortgage, that's your mortgage for the school district. Now, as we build projects, we we call those uh, mortgages a bond. So for each project we do, we have a bond for that project. Which is usually about 20 years. 20 years, that's correct. And, you know, the, the interest rate can fluctuate. depends when we build it on exactly what that interest rate is. We've looked at our projects, assuming, right, let's say it's a max interest rate of 5%. So, actually, we're talking about numbers now that could actually be smaller if that bond is under 5%. But the folks need to realize, as a school district, we have multiple bonds right now. For example, if you are a taxpayer and you own multiple properties or multiple homes, you may consolidate all of that into one monthly mortgage payment. The district, on the other hand, you know that's the way you look at your tax bill. When you look at your debt service portion, that is the sum of all of your mortgages that you pay. So what happens, some of these mortgages go down. As they go down, your debt service amount on your tax bill decreases. So when you look at the debt service for the 35 cents, for example, that over time, each year, you know, will will decrease once you hit your maximum point. Now, in this particular project, we would be looking, and keep in mind, this is a 35-cent project. However, your tax increase, year one would be 2 cents, year two, 10 cents, year three, 18 cents, year four would be 2 cents. That adds up to be 32 cents. So at no time are you going to pay full 35 cents because in year four, when you hit your max of 32 cents change on your debt service, you have other bonds over here that have dropped. And as this is going up, these are dropping. So there's other bonds at the same time that are getting close to retirement. Exactly. So we can start to drop the debt service rate. And, and the timing for this referendum is, is almost ideal, Dave, because if you take a look at the tax chart that we have online, you will notice, as I said before, 2, 10, 18, and 2. Then in year five, so the $68 that you're talking about for your debt service is only a one-time in year four. When we hit years five, six, seven, eight, and nine, those five years, your debt service will drop 22 cents. Some, because of the new project, 
because we've hit the max, now we're on the way down, but more because of some of the bonds that we have over on this side, the existing bonds, are going to be completed and completely paid off. So realistically, when you go into the first nine years of this particular project, you would be down to only a ten dollar a ten ten cent increase mm-hmm. in your in your property tax. Yeah. So the maximum is only going to be four or five years on this one and then that, yeah. that rate will start to your maximum out. your maximum tax rate will be in year number four. Mm-hmm. And once we get through year number four, year number five is actually a seven cent drop. Yeah. And then over the next four years following that, that you get enough to add up to be twenty two cents. So that's that's the point about changing on your debt service. Now your current expense, your nine cents will remain Current That's a good point. Operational. Yeah, the current expense increase of nine cents, which right. will equate to about another eighteen dollars. That'll be permanent, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what we will use, and we we've debated on when to start collecting that, and we said let's go year one. And there's a very good reason for that, Dave. The increase in enrollment is going to be gradual over the next four four years until the building's complete. But in four years, we're projecting in twenty four twenty five to be at almost two thousand students at Sussex Central High School, and you know, that is about 500 students over capacity. And there's no possible way that, you know, we'll be able to maintain without bringing in some type of portable classrooms in order to get us to that point mm-hmm. of getting into a new building. Yeah. And just to, just to, I, I want to let our listeners know too, Indian River currently has the lowest tax rate, total tax rate in Sussex County. And if the referendum passes, it will still have the lowest tax rate in Sussex County. So I think it's good for people to know that as yeah, well. It, it, it doesn't. It, we we have always been, you know, the lowest, mm-hmm. and uh, currently we're about sixty one, sixty two cents below Cape Town Open, which is the next lowest. Even as you said, we passed this. We're we're still about twelve cents below Cape Town Open, mm-hmm. and yeah. still the lowest tax tax rate yeah. in the in the uh, county. Enrollment growth is expected to continue in the district over the next few years, with the latest projections calling for the district's total enrollment to be about 12,500 students by the year 2024. Can you talk about what will happen if the referendum doesn't pass and what type of situation we're going to be in as far as space is concerned? Well, Dave, let me, let me say this first. When we do the projections, we use three models. And we do three models because, you know, sometimes when you're trying to project Sometimes you're trying to project with with things that you don't have and you can't see. But we have had data from 2009 up through 2018 this year. So we have data, ample data to make projections and using linear regression, average daily uh, rate of growth, and just normal progression model of dropping the seniors and moving everybody up a grade level. You can see that, and we can we, we know that the county is growing at a rate of uh, a minimum of two percent, two point five percent per year. So you know when we take a look at that, yeah, the growth is going to continue. But we did something this year. We actually asked Hanover Research, who is working with us on our strategic plan. As part of that plan, they did a projection status for our school district as well. When they returned that data to us. They actually are projecting higher than what we're projecting. However, I'm not really sure that they took out anything related to SAS or Sussex mm-hmm. Tech. But if you were to take those students out of their numbers, then we are just neck and neck in, in what we believe we're going to have. According to projections, this is just going to continue. Our enrollment is just going to continue. Yeah, we think we're going to continue, and, and I'm going to stress this because I think this is extremely, extremely important. If you take a look at the town's that are in our district. And if you look at the ocean view area, even 
now the Dagsborough area, there's a there's a large development going out on the highway near Royal Farms, and you look at the growth in Millsboro, and you look at the growth in, in Georgetown, it's going to continue to rise because we have so many people moving into our district. Even if you take only 10% of those people moving in with children, that's still going to be a, a, an increase, a significant increase. So, you know, it's going to continue. Um, I, my hope is that it would it would rate wise would slow down considerably, which I'm I'm hoping it still does, mm -hmm. but I don't see it decreasing uh, or even completely plateauing um, for the next for the near future. Well, this is going to create a problem at Sussex Central and of, of the dreaded portable classrooms. <laughs> and I know we've done some projections on that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, we're looking at Sussex Central and and we're trying to figure out. You know the number of, of portables, and we've worked with Fern and Daniel, um, the architect firm that that's helping us with this. And we we feel we would need probably 15 to 16 portable classroom trailers. Um, and most people from this area, taxpayers, know what I'm talking about. Um, the these concern us for a couple reasons. One, you have elements that kids have to go through every day. The the weather, if it's bad weather outside to inside. That number one is is always a safety issue for the kids. Number two, I can tell you when you're out and in in the, in the weather, you're going to, uh, you know, maintaining your your building inside, you know, becomes a project because you're constantly, you know, bringing the weather inside the building. Uh, two, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't be as concerned with safety as we are now. You know, now any any new building that we build, you have to have a controlled entrance and these sort of things. And, and the fact is, the, the plan is to go away from mobile units just because of safety. We can't provide the level of security in the portables that we can when the students are enclosed in one Absolutely building. not. When yeah. the kids are inside that building, they're protected by you know, 12, 14 inches of, of brick and concrete. Yeah. When they're in an outdoor, outdoor portable, you know, they're in a you know, aluminum-clad building. And obviously, when they're outside, they're not surrounded by anything. And not to mention, I know there's obviously the expense of renting the portable classrooms, but there's also expenses that people might not know about. We have to run electric out there, phone systems, plumbing. We have to build walkways. We have to make them ADA compliant, and those are expenses at the right. district. And those are added expenses, and they come out of our, you know, the, our, 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 you know, our bonds and our reserves. But Dave, there's there's something that's even even bigger than that. Uh, take a look at Sussex Central and keep one thing in mind. They have 1,674 kids as of yesterday. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, we can bring in portables, but we can't make the cafeteria any larger than what it is. So one of the points that our architects made with us, we would have to change our lunch schedule from 10 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon because that's the only, you know, we would take that long to get that many students through the cafeteria. We have no way to expand the cafeteria size-wise unless we do some type of renovation or, or construction on it. And it's already a problem right now today. True. And if it continues to grow, it's just going to get True. Harder. Or if you needed your kids in a safe area and, you know, trying to get them into a gym, you're not going to have room to put all the kids in the gym. Yeah. You have nowhere to put the kids to have, you know, a big unified meeting if you if you had to have one. Yeah. So it's, it's nice, but you're still not taking care of what we call the common areas in the building. Yeah. These folks that are coming in from the outdoor classrooms, they're just going to add to the already uh, full hallways when classes change. And the hallways, that's another good point that you brought up. The hallways are not built to accommodate that many students right now. Those hallways right now are built for 1,500. And if you go up, uh, I hate to use this phrase, but this is something Dr. Bradley Lafayette and I used to mm -hmm. talk about is what we call the Sussex Central Shuffle because they're so tight in the hallways, 
that the kids actually shuffle more than do a normal walk because of space. And if we add another three to 400 kids on top of what we have now, it, it's going to be extremely crowded. I've been there when classes have changed, and it is jam-packed in those hallways. I know I know you've, you have, too. So, Is there anything else before we wrap it up that you want residents to know about, about this referendum? Well, yeah, I do. I, I think that you know we're reaching a point where, you know, if you've lived here a long time, such as I have, the change that we've seen, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pinpoint Millsboro, for example, is just humongous growth. And I, and I think that's going to happen in, in talking to the town manager, Sheldon Hudson. You know, he, he was talking to me about, you know, some studies that they have done where, you know, they have a large number of what they call, they, they will count the number of house roofs and in, um, within a 25-mile radius. And we're around 70,000, 70-plus 70 thousand of Millsboro. Now, what that's going to do is draw bigger businesses into Millsboro. Um, you know, taking a look now, you have a tractor supply going in. You're going to have a few other uh, items coming in. You're going to have an Ashley Furniture Store that's going to open up soon. You're going to have a big steakhouse line come in and open up soon. And as long as within a 25-mile radius, we keep adding homes, you're going to see more and more business. Now, what do we know about that? When we bring businesses in, we open up jobs. When we open up jobs, more people are going to move. So I think what, we, what, we were, what we're seeing in this area, and... I've had the opportunity to live here for 59 years, and I've, I've had a chance to see every bit of this growth. I think you're going to see, you know, the Millsboro area and right into the Georgetown area and probably the Dagsboro area. I think you are going to see that whole area be a combined area that will be as big as Salisbury, Maryland someday. As I said before, the, the good thing about the tax base is that will help with the operational funding for the school district. That will be a big plus. But we also have to consider when we have and we continue to build as we're building, we are going to have more students entering our school district. Mm-hmm. It's not any one particular ethnic group. Mm-hmm. It is a wide range of people, mm-hmm. and they're all in different areas. Yeah. And you know, you may be able to look at, at, at you know, socioeconomic impact in some areas and some areas of the growth, and when you take a, take a look at that, it, we have no other choice on our end but to ask taxpayers to support us. But the one thing I will tell you is this. If people go away from this podcast... I'd like them to know one thing. We have gotten our school financially where we need to be in two years. That was not easy. A lot of people sacrificed. A lot of people put a lot of extra time in. But you know what? We did it because our love of the school district and what the school district has done. We've had this year, uh, we've had uh, schools be recognized by the state uh, for progress and change on on their state test scores. We've had a um, middle school this year, the first ever in our district, one of the very few ever in the state to win a national blue ribbon. As a matter of fact, Sebbyville Middle School was one of two middle schools out of almost 30,000 middle schools in the entire nation who was recognized for proficiency on on their testing. And that that's major, folks, when you look at two middle schools in the nation, and one of them is Indian River School District students. And our kids continue to win state championships. They continue to win awards. We continue to put a very high rate of our students in colleges. And you know what we do is, is, is what we're supposed to do. And our goal, we want to develop students that come back, add to the community, and not take from the community. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to provide and educate every student that comes through our doors. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Mark, I want to thank you for taking the time out to, to join me to talk about this today. I know you've got some public meetings and some Facebook Live sessions coming up, and we're going to get, get into those later. Um, but if, if uh, we will uh, promote those on the district uh, Facebook page, if, uh, you know, throughout the month of January, and uh, obviously, you know, everyone in the public is invited to attend the meetings and to watch your Facebook Live sessions. So I'll, I'll give the dates of those in just a little bit. But for now, Mark, thanks for thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Dave. Before we wrap up this episode, here are the particulars of the referendum. Voting on Tuesday, February 5th will be from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. at the following polling places. East Millsboro Elementary School, Georgetown Elementary School, Indian River High School, Long Neck Elementary School, Lord Baltimore Elementary School, and Selbyville Middle School. Eligible voters must live within the boundaries of the Indian River School District, be U.S. citizens at least 18 years of age, and provide identification at the polling place. Voter registration is not required and residents do not have to be property owners in order to vote. Residents can vote at any of the six polling places. Absentee voting is handled by the Sussex County Department of Elections. Absentee ballots are available by mail until noon on February 1st and in person until noon on February 4th. Affidavits are available at all district schools or at irsd.net slash referendum. For more information, contact the Department of Elections at 302-856-5367. District residents are encouraged to visit the district's website, Facebook page, or Twitter page for additional information about the referendum. Anyone with questions is encouraged to call the district's referendum hotline at 302 306-1079 or visit irsd.net slash referendum. The district will also hold a series of public meetings in January to highlight the referendum. The meetings will be held on January 16th at Georgetown Middle School at 6 p.m., January 23rd at Indian River High School at 6 p.m., and January 30th at Lord Baltimore Elementary School at 6 p.m. At each meeting, district officials will give a presentation outlining the referendum initiatives and the public will have the opportunity to ask questions. In addition, the district will host two public meetings for senior citizens during the month of January. The purpose of the meetings is to explain the referendum and highlight the various tax assistance programs available to seniors. Those meetings are scheduled for January 23rd at Indian River High School at 10 a.m., and January 24th at Sussex Central High School at 10 a.m. Both meetings will be held in the school auditorium. IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. Episodes can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. It is also available through several mobile podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence.